0: There we go. We're hot on that deal. Hot there now. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast brought to you by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum, located in historic downtown Pahuska, Oklahoma. You can catch us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, and all the places, Spotify, I don't know where else. Well, this is old Cody here, and as always, I have my co-host with me, Mr. Rodeo Historian himself, Jimbo Snively. Hey, Jimbo. What's going on, and who do
1: we have today? Hey, Cody boy. It's uh, another great day in the Osage Man. uh, Cody, we've got another accomplished individual from Osage County. Uh, We've got Miss Elizabeth Chambers with us today. She's uh, currently the 4-H President of Oklahoma. She travels all over Oklahoma, uh, talking on behalf of 4-H. Uh, in fact, the other day, she was asked to speak in front of the Farm Bureau Convention. And as far as I know, that's the first time in history, as long as there have been 4-H and as long as there have been Farm Bureau here in Oklahoma, that's the first time in the history that a 4-H president has addressed that Farm Bureau Convention. Now, that's a pretty big deal. That's and, a uh, huge deal, Jimbo. I know. And uh, she's a 100% country girl. She plays the guitar. Uh, She comes from a ranching family, and she also works here at the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. And we're just tickled to have her today. And uh, Liz, welcome to the Cowboys of the Osage podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here today.
1: We're excited to have you.
0: Thank yeah, Liz. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. She she had to be here today anyway, Jimbo.
1: Right, we caught her. are you
0: talking to pay while she's doing this or is she getting paid well, she's thing? still on the payroll okay, right now you're a pretty nice guy i know it's a pretty good deal for everybody pretty good deal for everybody so you grew up around here liz huh yes
2: yeah, so i grew up on a ranch that's about 30 minutes east of Puska. and so um, um my dad runs a cow calf operation out there and we raised some quarter horses too
0: cool do you get on in on, in on any of the breaking of the horses um
2: i start them but I've rode a few colts after they've been started and they have about 90 days on them so um, it's pretty fun I just recently started doing that but my little sister does it quite a bit so
1: <laughs> what's your favorite job on the ranch
2: um, I really like um, to work calves out there I also like to um, we do AI Um, an AI program now and so I really like to do that as well it's pretty easy fun work and I love when we have a big crew there. (laughs) Do
1: you uh, drag the calves or you got to
2: shoot? I usually it kind of depends usually I give shots or um, I'll drag calves sometimes it just depends on the day and um, usually we rotate around to where everybody kind of gets a chance to rope and everybody gets a chance to give shots so yeah. (laughs)
0: You said some initials there, AI. So there's a lot of people that watch this podcast that aren't even from a ranch or out in the country. So uh, can you tell us what that AI means?
2: So AI is artificial insemination. And so basically, um, the reason that we do it is kind of to raise, um, show calves. Um, part of that is to raise show calves. Part of that is just to have access to bulls that we wouldn't have access to because we don't own them. So, um, They collect semen and um, so say you have a bull, um, we could have access to that because we could artificially inseminate our heifers with your bull without them actually having to come in contact with each other. So um, it's really neat. You can get some really cool genetics into your pool and out here in osage county we can have a bull that's from you know minnesota or something like that and we can breed our, our cows to them just to kind of um up our genetics a little bit and get some really good calves out of them so yeah
1: liz tell us about your family well how long they've been ranching here in oklahoma
2: so um i'm a fifth generation rancher i can't really tell you how long we've been here but um my great great grandpa Charlie or my great grandpa charlie and then my grandpa um he, They've both been ranching out here for as long as I can remember and before I was even a thought, before my dad was even a thought. And um, my papa, he worked on the Canes Ranch um, whenever my dad was little. And so my dad has worked for Canes all of his life. And then um, whenever he got older and started a family, he started to ranch a little bit on his own as well. So he works for Canes and also has his own cow-calf operation. So.
1: I remember when your grandpa roped steers a little bit, you know, in our steer rope club. No kidding, Jimbo. Yep. Yeah, I do. Well, it gets in your
0: blood over here in Osage <laughs> County. <laughs> yep, yep. You're going to end up roping steers in one form or another anyway.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, I remember her dad was the president of the Osage County uh, Cattlemen's right here. Yeah. What all responsibilities come with being the president of the Osage County Cattlemen's. I know that you were around it and you guys were living it every day. You know, I know it's a it's more of a lifestyle than than a job even probably.
2: Yes, yeah. Um, So his main job was just to represent the cattlemen of Osage County. Um, But at the time, we actually um, put on the Ben Johnson steer roping. And that was a really cool experience. We actually, the year that he ran it, Tough Cooper came. And I remember Tough Cooper came up to me at the steer roping cause he asked my dad, he says, is there anything I can do for you? This is a great roping. I'm glad to be here. And he's like, well, you go meet my daughter cause she's a big fan of yours. So Tough Cooper came up and shook my hand. I got to talk to him for a couple of minutes, but that was a really cool experience. So um, we put on that roping. And then of course the cattleman's convention was in June and um, we were running around helping with that and my mom always decorates for the um convention luncheon and so I always go help her with that as well so it was a really fun experience it was cool and it was kind of cool to see my dad step up into that role of leadership and watch him just do a good job of representing cattlemen at Osage County
1: sounds like a whole family of leaders to me
0: <laughs> <laughs> well now she's the president of the 4H. I right? I know, I know. Her mom's always holding a position of some kind in, a, oh, right. in an association somewhere. About. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's something that I think that it's in might be in the water that we produce around here. Some great leaders and some great spokesmen for our way of life around here, Jimbo. For so. sure. For
1: sure. How long have you been in 4-H? Um,
2: so I've been in 4-H for about nine years now. But um, my older sister was in 4-H before I was, so I've really been in 4-H a lot longer right. than nine years. Right. <laughs> right. But,
1: what does the H, the 4Hs stand for?
2: So they stand for head, heart, hands, and health. And so it's the equal training of all of those four parts. And then there's a 5th H that's kind of hidden, and it's called the home. So. I hmm.
1: haven't heard that one. The head. I need yeah. I need the most help so with don't, that part. 5H right doesn't roll off your tongue like 4H. Or... Yes. Now
0: <laughs> no, there's not, what, is there a 5 five clover out there? Just four-leaf no, no. clover. That's, the, right. one. That's, right. the, That's the one. That's the one
1: everybody wants.
0: Yes. Yep. <laughs> so uh, before we go into this 4-H business real quick, I'm going to step right back to this AI we were talking about okay. just a second ago. You know, I, I I haven't done all the research I need to on this, but it's just a little side note before we go any further. I think that the process of AI was perfected right here in Osage County out at, at the Cotting Ranch. Um, through uh, Oklahoma State University,
1: I believe. It probably was. Uh, I, I know I went out there when I was in high school, and they gave a little demonstration and stuff, and, and it was cutting-edge technology at that time. I'm pretty sure. sure that
0: it, it was, uh, it may not have been invented here, but it was perfected the way they do it now right here in Osage County, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's all the buildings and everything stand right out there on i believe the drummond's own that piece of property now mm-hmm. but it's called the the Cotting ranch and it, it's really really something else it's really a story i've heard uh multiple stories on it so we're gonna have to do a special podcast just on that one of these days jimbo yeah who would we get that was part of that i want well, the professor that was over it, I think, has reached out to us. So oh, really? we're going to have cool. to go
1: back and do one of those. It's just an interesting side oh, note, it is.
0: The, the process. It
1: was really a neat facility. I, you know, they had a little airport out there and, and it was just really cool. But, it had its own airport. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where they could fly that semen in and out. Four
0: H's. All four H's. The head. Is that the one you said first?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Tell us about it. What, what does that mean? so part of the 4-H um
2: I this is actually it's one of my favorite H's so um there's kind of a process of learning in 4-H so you learn do and teach and I think head heart hands and health kind of walk you along that um those that track to learn and so um I think 4-H builds leaders to use their heads in any kind of situation and It's really neat to see some of the leadership programs that they've got going in 4-H because it really teaches them, how can I use my skills to help others? Or how can I use my skills to help other people help me to help others? So it's really neat. Um, They have a lot of STEM programs in Oklahoma 4-H and... um,
0: What kind of programs, I don't... uh... It's embarrassing to say I never was part of 4-H, Jimbo. I didn't show cattle, anything. I roped cattle and fed cattle. You were roping them. Yeah. I've been showing them.
1: You showed them after (laughs) you tied them.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was showing them my hands in there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so there's project areas anywhere from um, robotics to STEM to healthy living to leadership to civic engagement to anything in ag that you can think of. Um, There's over 60 project areas in Oklahoma 4-H alone and in other states they offer different project areas and it just kind of depends on what the state needs at the time. Um, So there's a lot of programs that we don't have that other states do have and um, there's a lot of programs that we have that other states don't have yet. And so um, an example of that is our Food Fun 4-H program. And basically um, each month a family will get a box of family meal plans and things like that and like fun activities that your family can go through. And it's just something that Oklahoma 4-H came up with. And now other states, I mean, people from all over are requesting for their 4-H program to do that in their state. So it's really neat because we've kind of paved the way um, in that aspect. And so it's neat to see some of our programs being requested by other people because they think it's a really neat thing that we're doing over here. So,
1: Out of all the programs in 4-H, what's your favorite part of 4-H? Oh,
2: man, that's really hard. Um, I would probably say... Well, I'll tell you what my project areas are. (laughs) Um, My project areas are beef, leadership, and performing arts. And so um, I really love the performing arts um, project area. It's given me so many opportunities. It's the reason that I'm in leadership in 4-H. It's how I got started and all of that. When I originally joined 4-H, like I said, my older sister, she started showing cattle before I was even old enough to be in 4-H. And um, I thought that's all I was joining 4-H for to go do is to um, show cattle and then it kind of evolved I figured out that I had this love for music and performing and I figured out that 4-H had that avenue for me to go in Um, and then through that I found all of my leadership stuff that I now do and so it's been really neat but performing arts is probably my favorite
0: (laughs) the second H yes we talked about the head
2: yes the heart the heart
0: (laughs) Tell us about the heart part of the 4-H.
2: So something that I love about the um, 4-H program is that um, it teaches its members to be compassionate to everybody. Everybody is involved in everything. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from, um, how you grew up. Everybody's allowed in 4-H, whether you're from an urban community or you're from a rural community, you can find anything in 4-H that you want would like to do and I have met some of my lifelong friends in 4-H and um, it just gives kids the opportunity to meet people outside of their school because a lot of times schools are hard um, to make friends in if you don't necessarily connect with those people and so it gives people the opportunity to meet people from all over the state with the exact same interests and things that they like to do and also people who are homeschooled like I am um, it gave me the opportunity to make tons of friends and so um, a lot of people that's one of the number one questions I get as a homeschooler is how do I get socialization and I always kind of giggle at that answer because nobody would ever guess that I'm homeschooled Um, but I always say it's because of 4-H and I just think that that heart aspect of the 4-H is really teaches its members to you know be compassionate and to make friends and to have fun so
0: (laughs) my girls are homeschooled too Jimbo but I told them I'm the only friend they're ever going to need is their old daddy. Right, right. But uh, they, they got more friends than we oh, can yeah, count. Yeah. We got, it's, a, it's a slumber party about four nights a week at our house because, you know, certain kids are... We always got kids staying the night. It's the craziest thing because sure. they know that... I know. I mean, I've had we, uh, kids too. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they know that... They got it made in the shade. You know how early I had to get up for school? 6.30. Somewhere in that yeah. area. They get up at 9,
1: yeah. 9.30... Right. Whenever they feel like it. Right. Right. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, we had to get up early to catch school bus because it's way out there, you know, and they, they'd pick us up about seven if I remember right, and so I had to get around early. Well, we're learning them real
0: good in that homeschool, Jimbo. We're yep. learning them up real good. Whether. Luckily, I'm the principal. Yeah. Right. I ain't charged to <laughs> teaching them anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Lauren does a pretty good job of that, I bet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I get in trouble right along with them. It's the craziest thing. All she does is scold two kids and me all day, every day. Third H.
2: Okay, head, heart, hands, and health. Hands. So, hands. <laughs>
0: what do you teach them? How to use their hands? What's...
2: Yeah, so... Um, like I said, there's that three step process. So um, it teaches its members lots of things, but then once you've learned everything that you need to know, which there's always room to learn more, but it encourages members to teach other people and to do things with other people. So um, I, I'm going to use my performing arts project as an example. So I started a a music club here in Osage County that was up and going before COVID. And I need to get it started back up again, but life has been crazy since I've gotten this new leadership position. But um, I found a whole bunch of people in Osage County that had a love for performing arts, but couldn't necessarily do it on a district or state level like I could. so i decided that i was going to start a music club so um about twice a month we would have a meeting and everybody would bring a song um and we'd have what's called a song circle and this song circle um we would just help each other with songs or if we need somebody else to have that they played an instrument maybe that we couldn't play we're like hey come join us on this song and it was almost like a big band and so then we would um all of my music club members and I would go to 4-H camps um, locally or some outside of the county even and teach workshops on how to play you know, simple ukulele chords or um, simple percussion patterns or something like that. So um, I let them do the things and get really good at um, Doing their instrument or singing or just performing and then we went out and taught people So um, I think that's kind of how 4-H uses that hands aspect to help 4-H members um, To do the things that they're good at and also teach others about that as well
1: Where do you get your love for music? Most kids that like music they get it from one or both their parents or either one of your parents music?
2: Um, actually, neither one of my parents are musically inclined at all. Um, my mom used to sing in like a choir setting. My dad has no in- interest in music at all. Um, but my grandpa Charlie, he um, sings and plays the guitar and he also does like cowboy poems and he's Phenomenal, I always love listening to him. And since I was a little girl, we used to always sing, You Are My Sunshine. He would sing it to me whenever I was little, and then whenever I learned it, we would sing it together. Um, and just recently, I went over to, um, whenever he was in the hospital, I brought my guitar over and we sang that while he was in the hospital. Um, and it was just, it was a really cool thing for us, but that's where I got it. And then also my mama's grandma, Isla, which is her um, grandma, so mm. my great grandma. I knew her. She Um, sang in the Catholic Church for many years and then moved over to a Bardosville Catholic Church. But um, she had a beautiful soprano voice and almost all of my mom's family is um, musically inclined like that. Um, So I think I get it from lots of avenues. and even though my parents aren't necessarily musically inclined they've always loved music and i didn't really even discover that i had a um kind of a gift for it until i was in 4-h um, and it just kind of developed and it took off and now i love to do it every day so
0: and <laughs> she sings the national anthem everywhere all over the state at big mm-hmm. events Jimbo. hey did you know i'm a expert in a musical instrument if you ever need someone to come to one of your music uh school class deals to show a few chords, I'm actually bona fide expert, card carrying expert in a musical instrument. I know what it is too. What do you think it might be? Triangle. Triangle. You know, it, Jimbo. <laughs> I'm real good at triangle. So if you need any hints or tips on triangling, I'm real good at it. One of the best. You
2: so, can add a little beat, you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a great triangler. I got. My triangle, my triangle in name is uh, Dinner Bell. So <laughs> that's what they call me on. Most of, the, uh, most of the albums I've been on, that's what I'm under is Dinner, Dinner, Dinner Bell. Bell on the triangle right there. Right, So does that pay anything on those albums? Yeah, I get royalties from them, all kind of stuff. Cool. I'm big on the triangle circuit, Jimbo. It's in my blood, man. Yeah. It's the only instrument I've really mastered though. I'll I haven't mastered any, so <laughs> it's better I'll, than me. I'll show you a few things on the triangle one of these days. Okay. <laughs> so, like it. I
2: do have a funny story that you'd appreciate oh, from a <laughs> um, music club in 4-H. So, um, there's a state program called Oklahoma 4-H Music Corps, and... Um, One of the kind of leaders of it, his name is John Holman. And he loves to find weird instruments um, that are made out of weird things. One time he found a guitar that was made out of a toilet seat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The old toilet seat guitar. He finds finds instruments like that all the time. And he introduced me to the... um, ukulele I think is what it's called it's like a ukulele guitar so it sounds like a ukulele but it's got six strings like a guitar and I just thought that was the coolest thing but he finds the weirdest instruments and will go and play them for people and it's I mean he's really good at the river cane flute (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool
0: (laughs) you know who's one of the best toilet seat guitar players out there one of the bald knobber family out there in Branson they got the the to- they come w- w- waltzing out on stage with a toilet seat guitar. Wow. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah. Bald Knobbers and Branson, toilet seat guitar, playing champion right there. I'm surprised they didn't get you to play the triangle. <laughs> I'm surprised, too. I'm surprised I ain't got a whole triangle show in Branson, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, Cody. Triangling. Yep. All right. <laughs> Fourth H. Yes. Number four.
2: Health. Health.
0: What do you guys do to promote health? So um, what, what all What is all, what involved in the health part of this deal?
2: Yeah, so it's actually the health aspect of Oklahoma 4-H. <laughs> um, It has to do a lot directly with like the Healthy Living um, 4-H project. Um, But they also have like the food science area and everything like that. Um, And Food Fund 4-H, which I mentioned earlier, kind of fits into that. Um, And part of Food Fund 4-H is they have like activity plans and it promotes all aspects of health. So mental, physical, and like family health. Um, It's really cool because we have a lot of programs. We actually have Healthy Living Ambassadors here in Oklahoma 4-H, which I don't think a lot of other 4-H programs have in their states. What's that mean? Basically they go out and they will teach healthy living workshops So if it has to do with food a lot of people will teach like yoga workshops and things like that Which I attended once and I fell asleep during the last part of it <laughs> because it was so relaxing <laughs> But they have really cool um, Workshops and stuff like that. So healthy living ambassadors That's what they get to go out and do is just teach uh, workshops on how to have a healthy lifestyle and how to carry that into their homes and so not only are these kids kids soaking in all of that information, but they can, they have material to go back and kind of continue that with their family. Um, And it it just creates a really good environment for 4-H families.
1: How do you get to be president of (laughs) 4-H?
2: So um, it was a long journey, (laughs) I will tell you that. Um, So I started out on a local office, which was the Bowering 4-H Club, and my mom was the leader of that 4-H club. And I always was vice president because my older sister would always get elected. I'd run against her every year and she'd always get elected. Um, And then I moved up to a county level. And um, I would say county level's pretty typical. Um, A lot of people kind of like to stay on that county level. and then I went to YAA, which is our, which is Youth in Action, and that's our district 4-H camp. And I met a ton of men- mentors. Um, one of those mentors was Audrey Auctioner, and at the time, Audrey Auctioner was a state ambassador and a district officer. And so I met her and I, she actually looks like she could be my sister. Like we look very similar. And if you've seen a picture of my other two sisters, they don't look anything like me. They're both tall brunettes and I am obviously not that. And so Audrey, I met Audrey, she's a short blonde like I am and we look very similar. And so um, we kind of just became friends. And then I heard about all of her leadership roles in 4-H. And she's like, you know, you have a really great like leadership personality, why don't you you ever consider running for like a district office or something like that and i kind of entertain the idea and that year my older sister was running for district office and she didn't win because my older sister is very introverted um, and so she was kind of nervous about the whole deal and so um, what she was okay with, she learned I think learned more from running than even if she had gotten the office so but I had saw her do that and I was like you know I think I can do that and so the next year I ran for a Northeast District song leader and I got up and I did this there's a repeat song that you can do with crowds, and it's Little Red Wagon. And so I will say, you can't ride in my Little Red Wagon, and they all call it back to me. Well, there's a talent competition right after speeches. So I had done um, that song in my speech and had them kind of come back and forth with me and play that game with me. And then in my talent competition, I sang Little Red Wagon. And so everybody knew me as a Little Red Wagon girl. And so before people would go to the polls, they'd stop me and be like, I know you did the Little Red Wagon thing, but what's your name so I can vote for you? And so um, that's kind of how I got started. And from then on, I just started um, deciding that I was gonna go to a state level because I saw the impact that 4-H was making in its communities, and I wanted to do everything I could do to give 4-Hers the opportunity to expand their community service projects and their project areas so that they could help even more communities and make a bigger impact. And so um, from then on, I decided I wanted to be a state ambassador. And state ambassador, you have to... um, submit an application and then you either do or you don't get an interview and i got called for an interview Um, and so when you show up to selection day you have an interview and then you have a three minute extemporaneous speech about 4-h and then you have a 4-h thank you note and the thank you notes have to follow a certain formula and the ambassador program we I got selected that day and I learned very quickly the ambassador program is a lot of hard work and um, you have to turn in monthly reports and you have to either um, do one of the three aspects of the ambassador program. So you can either make 4-H more visible, you can tell the 4-H story, or you can work with donor and alumni. And so. Um, each month I have to complete one of those things. So actually today I was working on writing thank you notes to um, some donors that we have. And so that's what I've been doing this month. (laughs) And so um, I got selected for that. And through that program, I met a lot of the state officer team and I ran for Northeast district representative to the state council. So that was kind of my introduction to state council. and I fell in love with being on the state council because I could see that I could you know travel all over the state and talk to all these 4-H members and help them with community service projects and all of their um they're just normal projects and teach workshops and things like that. And so I ran for um, Oklahoma 4-H song leader. Um, Well, I guess it's called recreational leader on a state level, but um, I ran for that and I got elected for that. And my job was to be in charge of the spirit committee. And so I was in charge of the spirit competition, which is what we have at um, 4-H Roundup, which is our state 4-H camp. And it was a really fun job. I got to basically just hype everyone up and get everybody excited. And so part of the spirit competition is our community service projects. So that's one aspect of it. So whoever turns in the most money for our s- state service projects and the most pool tabs for our state service projects would win one half of the points for the spirit competition. And then there was sidewalk chalk and a district chant um, and a district service video. And so I was in charge of that. And this year was the Centennial Roundup. And so we were coming out of 2020, kind of shooken up, I guess. We didn't really know um, what was gonna happen because we shut down for so long and 4-H continued through the shutdown. I mean, we just converted everything to virtual and we just did our very best to give 4-H members the opportunities to still be active. Um, And so I decided I had a, a leader in 4-H come to me. He emailed me privately and asked me, are you running for president? And I guess that was kind of the first time that I had really considered it because it was somebody that I didn't really expect to kind of come to me and say that. And I actually think I sent back, oh, I don't really think I will. <laughs> and, um, Right after that, more and more people started asking me, are you running for president? Are you running for president? And I just had this feeling um, that I I needed to at least run. I didn't know if I would get the office. I didn't know if I was qualified enough for the office. Sorry. Um, and I was really nervous, (laughs) and so I was like, well, I'll just submit my application, see how this goes. Um, And so we started getting closer to closer to Roundup where they announce it. And we're going over our scripts for the last day because I'm a state officer at the time. And they start like going over, that last part where they announce who's winning and things like that. And obviously in our script ahead of time, we can't find that out. So it's like, they've got like Daffy Duck in place of whoever won, you know what I mean? And so my heart is pumping so fast. And my friend, Maddie Murphy, who is my best friend, she's um, she lives on a ranch that's in Scheidler. And she got involved in 4-H two years ago and started being on leadership councils and stuff with me. And she's one of my very best friends. And she was running for recreation leader, and um, there was nobody running against her. And so she was really nervous for me, too. Um, so that last day, she got caught up on stage as recreation leader, and they announced my name. I immediately started to cry, and Maddie jumped up and down, ran across the stage, and hugged me for like two minutes. It was like the best moment of my life. I did not expect it at all. Um... And then right following that, I just started getting invited to every event I could think of. But I, looking back on my 4-H career, I mean, even a year ago, if you would have told me I would have been president, I would have probably told you that you were crazy and there's no way. Um, But it's been a really, really neat experience. And I just, I can't believe that 4-H has taken me where it has. It's It's actually incredible. I can't, I can't put it into words, really.
0: (laughs) Wow, quite a story. Who's some of the people you got to meet that you wouldn't have met otherwise, probably, if it wasn't for 4-H?
2: Yes, yeah. (laughs) Who's some of those people? So, um, I met the parliamentarian for the Capitol. Um, He was really cool. I met him at Oklahoma Farm Bureau Convention. And um, I talked to him a little bit about paging um, at the Capitol. And that's something I am looking forward to doing within the next year, um, because one of my kind of career goals, I guess, I'm going to college to get an agriculture communications degree and then maybe going on to law school to get um, just a, you know, a degree in that and then hopefully I can specialize in ag law and write bills for the capital and things like that. That way I can be a representative for agriculture in our state because it's such a huge part of what we do out here. So I met him and talked to him a little bit about paging at the Capitol. Um, I've met the OCA president <laughs> and um, I'm gonna go shadow for them next year as well and kind of see what they do in the Capitol um, because they have a really big impact on some of the laws for agriculture and just advocating for ranchers and farmers in Oklahoma, so. (laughs) How
1: nervous were you when you had to speak in front of the Farm Bureau Convention?
2: (laughs) I was really nervous. It's, it's an intimidating room to walk in. I don't know if you've ever been in that convention center, but everything's like red and gold, and I walked in there, I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I did not know what to do, but I got up there and, um, Right? As my speech began I asked how many 4-H members I had in the room and I was shocked because I would say there was only a quarter of the room that hadn't been in 4-H. Every, almost every single person that I saw had their hand raised um, and they were all really familiar with the 4-H program so I instantly felt comfortable because I was like oh these are my people they understand what we do and why we do it and so it was really neat. Um, it was a 10 minute long speech which was the longest speech I've ever given in front of a Um, a stage like that and it was really intimidating but they were all very nice. They actually gave me a basket to go home with um, and they had Valley View Pecans and what's funny about the Valley View Pecans is my 4-H advisor for the Ambassador Program his name is Josh Grunman he owns that company Valley View Pecans so I was like what a full circle moment for me.
0: (laughs) There went My next question to you say pecan uh, pecan or pecan it's pecan or pecan it's pecan around here pecan yeah yes okay (laughs) i was just wondering yeah that was the next question so um what about is there a national platform you can eventually go to in this 4-h if you Um, want to
2: yes i could be on a um a council for national 4-h um i think As of right now, um, I'm not really looking to do something like that because I really wanna focus on the duty that I have right now and doing that to the best of my ability. But um, maybe in college or something like that, I'll get on one of those councils and um, they're less of like a 4-H president thing and like stuff like that there's more like a promotional council for instance and so um that's something I've kind of looked into but um not really considered that heavily I need to talk to some more people about it before um I really just dive feet first into that (laughs) but there has been some people in Oklahoma 4-H that have been on national councils and things like that um and I'm going to ask them what they think about that and I just got elected in July, so I'm still kind of figuring out the whole presidency thing, but um, I imagine later on, once we get closer to next summer and I'm kind of finishing up my role, I'll look into more National 4-H and things like that. So, <laughs>
1: have, you, have you ever thought about politics?
2: Um, I've actually had a lot of people talk to me about that. That's partly why I want, want to work in the Capitol. I don't know if I'll ever run for anything. Um, but. I, I do want to be able to um, have some part in agriculture in the capital and making sure that laws protect that. Um, I'm also really passionate about homeschooling because I've been homeschooled since third grade. Um, and making sure laws protect that as well because I think it's a really great thing that we have here in Oklahoma. Um, and I think it's great that our capital protects our right to homeschool. Um, I, and i do see myself being in the capitol someday but i don't know if i'll be a representative or in the senate or something like that but
0: i she'd be a natural don't you it's <laughs> going to be real interesting to go back and watch this podcast right. in ten years when Jimbo. She's
1: president or who knows
0: really exciting saying? she's got a real exciting yeah. future right absolutely <laughs> it's going to be real interesting to go back yeah. and watch this in i think 10 this years. podcast will age well i think <laughs> so too yeah. the hidden fifth h
2: the 5th H, the home. Well,
0: that you, I uh, touched li- on earlier. Yeah,
2: I talked a little bit about that with Oklahoma Farm Bureau. Um, 4-H members kind of get this a lot. And even people that, just 4-H families, we tend to kind of band together. And if you meet a 4-H'er, I've met 4-H'ers from um, all over. And I can almost find anything in common with a 4-H'er. I mean, we just tend to have the same values. Um, it's just like one big, happy family. Um, a lot of kids unfortunately don't have the opportunity to have great a, a great family home life um, and 4-H is the opportunity for them to have a great family and I think that is something that's so valuable for 4-H and why a lot of kids are so drawn to it. Um, it's because they can build that family. There's so many great mentors in 4 H. There's so many great leaders and volunteers that help with 4 H that um, really create an environment where we can be the best that we can be and help our communities. And they set such a great example. There's so many people like Kathy Allen and Kathleen Taylor that I work with all the time that are. I look up to them so much. They're adults that have made such a big impact in not only my life, but the life of so many other people. And I don't even think sometimes, these adults, they're so amazing, but I don't even think they realize how great they are and how much of an impact they make. and Kathy Allen's husband was actually the um, person I was talking about earlier that emailed me about being 4-H president. And I don't even think he realized that he was the very first person. And I will remember that forever. He is the first person to ever say that to me and to kind of inspire me to do that. So um, I really, and like Steve Beck and Milford Jenkins, who um, they've done so much for the 4-H program. And it's just, it's great to look up to those people because they're, Um, Kind of behind the scenes, a lot of people just see us 4-Hers, which is great, but um, I think we need to have like an appreciation day for all of them because they really, they pour their whole lives into the 4-H program and creating that home environment for a lot of kids who either don't have access to that or want to build to that family, so it's really great.
0: You know, just uh, helping some people out is probably more than anything than, than, than they'll ever want, you know, uh, just the <clears throat> the way it makes you feel, oh yeah, to help some people out like that. So sure it does. You don't have to have a per- appreciation day. Every day that those people are doing that, they're really appreciating, I can guarantee you that. for sure. Yes, yeah. If you're buying a steer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the butcher, what do you look for in a market steer?
2: and a market steer. Mm-hmm. Oh my. <laughs> well, I would look for the fattest one, obviously. Yes. You want the biggest, you want the most pounds of product. So whenever you go to one of those 4-H sales, that's where I would go to get one so you can support the youth of Oklahoma. I don't just go to some sale barn. Go to those local county shows and get your um, market steers.
0: So what is that? Uh, what is the local county shows? I didn't grow up doing it. I, I do help out. I, I do the <laughs> auctioneering with their heart up for an auctioneer over here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, tell us tell us about showing some cattle real quick or, or just animal showing in yeah. general because it's, it's something that I don't know that much about, but anybody, it seems like can get involved in it. I see kids oh, that yeah. live in town out there, and I said, don't you live in town? And <laughs> yeah. uh, it seems like 4-HC, seem, they find a way for a lot of these kids to be able to show an animal if they want to.
2: Yes, yeah. So
0: tell us so, about showing animals, um, just for a minute.
2: See, so my dad started showing whenever he was younger, and he started off showing pigs and then moved to cattle. And I've only ever showed cattle and horses. Um but you can show anything. I mean, I know people that have showed rabbits, chickens, sheep, goats, pigs. I mean, anything you can think of, pretty much they've shown it. Um, And so at your county show, you're probably gonna see um, sheep, goats, pigs, and cattle. And that's typically what's at your county show. Now at a county fair, you're probably gonna see more than that. Um, But basically, I, I guess the best way to describe it is these kids, I mean, they raise up So I have a steer for instance this year, I'll feed him. I got him earlier this summer. I'll feed him until March when our county show is and, um, there will be a judge that comes in and he'll pick basically the best show cap that's out there. So all of these kids that have raised these show caps come to one place and they'll be sorted into different classes based on weight or breed or something like that. And the judge will pick what he thinks is the best looking one out there. Um, and then we have a premium auction or a um, market steer auction after that. Um, the kids that participate in the premium auction... Um, typically are bringing their steers to OIE or a bigger show afterwards and that's why they're just for premium and they're not actually, you're not buying the meat Mm -hmm. whenever you buy somebody's premium. Mm -hmm. But um, we've always had steers in the county show for as long as I can remember and um, I've been showing for as long as I've been in 4-H. So um, I've had a lot of show steers over the years. I have two this year. I've had two almost every year that I've shown, I think. So
0: What's it take to get one of those ready from um, the time you decide that's my steer till show time because you said you feed him
2: yes yeah
0: boy howdy it seems like there's a lot more to it than uh, just feeding him. Yes.
2: So um, you have to halter break them to lead. Um, that's a process. I don't know if you've ever halter broke a steer before, but it is.
0: Well, you kind of do it when you rope them. They learn to lead with when you rope them enough. So.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of a tough process. You want to make sure you have gloves on because they'll probably give you rope burn at some point. Um,
0: well, they're really not a domestic animal. No, you know, no. I
2: <laughs> and sometimes you'll get one that's just wild that you just can't show. We've had a few of those, um, but yeah so you you break them to lead and you um work with them quite a bit and my favorite part is working hair a lot of people don't realize that we do this that aren't in ag but we work hair and what that is we wash them and rinse them and blow dry them and put products in their hair to make it as long as possible. That way, if they have any flaws, we can kind of cover it up with their hair. Or if they have any good parts, we clip that off at the end of the year with like um, what you would use on your hair, like a set of clippers. And um, we would, you'll shave those good parts down to where you can see those and then you'll kind of cover up the bad parts um, of that stair to make him look as good as possible. And then when you get to the county show, once you've got them all clipped up and pretty, a lot of people, we use adhesives in their hair, so basically like glue or hairspray. It's kind of a stronger form of hairspray. Sounds like and a beauty
0: contest. Yes, mm, it by. is.
2: It's a, it's a beauty contest for cows, and you'll fluff out their legs to make their legs look real big. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Some people will glue extensions into their <laughs> hair. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: How
1: hard? You
0: How, know, Go ahead. You know, some people can uh, actually take that to the next level and do it for a living. My best friend from yeah. from uh, high school, grade school, mm-hmm. he uh, he flies all over the country now, and all he does is prepare cattle for cattle shows. At the show, not not ahead of time, they fly mm-hmm. him in for the show, whether it's in Fort Worth or Denver or wherever the big show might be. And that's that's what he does
1: for his primary living. Mm-hmm. Sorry great. to inter- that, interrupt. That's me. all right. I was just going to ask her how hard it is to sell them say goodbye to them after you've done oh, all Oh it's that. pretty hard. I bet it is. If
2: I like them a lot then yeah. I'll probably cry but there's been a few that I'm like I won't yeah, miss they, you. Yeah one that
1: burnt your hands you know <laughs> and jumping yeah. around there.
2: There's been a few that I've had that have, kind of have an attitude and we don't get along too right, well. Right
1: so. good to see you good there's, riddance to them but yeah. I bet you know they got those big brown eyes you know I that's hard. a pig. Now I can see he's getting rid of your pig, but, <laughs> but you could. I I just have trouble not getting attached to a uh, big old deer. Yeah. Well,
2: that's what sale night. Usually after I sell them, I'll, I'll pet on them and then I'll I'll leave and I won't look at them again. I just I I can't handle it if I really like them. Which the one that I had last year, um, he was the cutest one I've had. He was a peach colored steer. He's a really nice steer and I liked him a lot and so it was really hard to say goodbye to him and so I just kind of pet on him and then I left the show and um, they load him on a truck so I don't have to get rid of him or anything like that. But that's so.
1: another lesson that you're learning, too, yes, you know, yeah. that teaches kids that, that you, you have to say goodbye to them, you know, when you're growing them out for a purpose not to be a pet
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, I think it teaches kids that there's an industry for all Mm -hmm. of that and it, it teaches them the ins and outs of that industry and the importance of it. And, um, and show showing steers isn't, you know, it's not typical. Um, but not every cow has a life like that and right. so it is kind of comforting to know they've literally been yeah. pampered their whole life and right. so
0: it's almost like Kobe beef almost. <laughs>
2: yeah yep. and that's what and so they've lived a really, really pampered life and they've had a really good life. And so it's while it's hard to say goodbye, sometimes it's 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 good it's a good learning experience for mm-hmm. sure. So yeah.
1: <laughs> be hard though. I don't yes. know if I could do it. <laughs> well jimbo you got anything else for liz today well just thank her for coming in and her she was already here she didn't have to come in did she (laughs) she had to come back here thanks for coming back here but just what an impressive young lady and you know and, and it just gives you confidence in the young people of today and where the future is bright with in rural america at least that's right.
0: I, I feel real good about this, Jimbo. I, I feel about. I feel really good when I meet a young person like this. And, Absolutely. And I feel good about our future leadership when I meet a young person like this. So. Absolutely. And I'm going to be an old man here one of these days, and I'm going to need people like this looking after my best interests. So yeah. I think think she's going to do a good job. She may be in Washington, Washington DC, looking after her best interests. Who knows? Yep. Washington's what we call it over at my house. Washington. Yeah. <laughs> We're not all as well spoken as you, Jimbo. <laughs> well, I don't want to get mixed mixed up with that bunch out there <laughs> out west. Hey, I didn't even bring up the. Uh, how do you like working over here at the museum, Liz? Um
2: it's so fun. I love this job. I love to talk to people um, I was talking to some people today about bison actually um I know though-
0: if she says bison, I say buffalo right, right. yeah I, she's very 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 well, correct on her terminology so, right, right. so i i've been i've been I've been set straight a few times so why right. why why do you say bison and i and I say buffalo
2: so I was telling them because that's what they were asking me about so um here's how it's been explained to me so There's the North American bison and that's what you have in the front of the museum. And then there's Buffalo, which are like water Buffalo or, um, something like that. That's kind of overseas. It's foreign to the, to here. So whenever people, you know came over from those other countries they just saw our bison and they were like we're going to call this buffalo because they closely resemble what we have over here and so the terms kind of used interchangeably it's kind of like a moth and a butterfly they're pretty similar not really the same thing they have different names but if you see one and you don't really know what it is. You can call it either name, and it's pretty much fine. So. <laughs>
1: well, I grew up calling them buffalo, and I know they're not buff. I know they're not a true buffalo, but it's just hard to get used to that bison. Yeah. Just not near as a, a majestic a name,
0: bison mm-hmm. compared right, right. to buffalo. Right, right. Buffalo runs. Yeah, yeah. Just comes off the tongue real nice. <laughs> yeah, it rolls off the tongue. You're right. Bison, right. something like. Yeah. Bison. You know. Right. Bye, yeah. son, yeah. That's what yeah, I told my boy yeah, the other day. It right. doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's not like tomato, tomato. Two totally different things, mice and buffalo. Right, I know. Mm. You know. I'm learning something new every day, Jimbo. <laughs> every day of my life. But, you know, all this history we have around here. Um, did you know we had so many successful cowboys and cowgirls and ranchers and different <laughs> things from around here? Have, have you ever sat and just thought about it? How many of the
2: you know, truly I'm, great
0: people in history, Western the Western way of life, right. were all from this area?
2: Well, that's why I was... I knew we had a lot here because my mom said she's homeschooled us my mom is like the queen of useless facts and so she knows everything about everything um and so she from whenever i was really young she told me about a lot of these people that we had here in osage county um, but i think the museum has taught me more and just since I've been working here than I've ever known in my whole life. But what's really cool is I did not realize how many of these people I knew that are just everyday to me. I mean, you think about... We I mean, take
0: it for granted around here.
2: Exactly. I mean, I know so many people. I mean, I know Reed Drummond personally. I went to school with Todd, you know? <laughs> and so it's it's kind of funny because all these people come in here and they're like, do you know Reed Drummond? And I'm like, yeah, I do. She's pretty nice, you know? Nicest lady. I know, right?
0: Hard-working folks.
2: Well, and she's actually kind of introverted. I, I don't think a lot of people know that about her, but she's kind of quiet. I've always known her as pretty quiet, but, um, it's just kind of funny cause things that were so everyday to me now I'm learning about them in the museum and people will ask me about them and they're like, so you know that person? And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so it's, it's been really fun to work here and it's, it's always cool. when they kind of quiz me on who all I know, because I can tell them all, all these people. And they're like, how do you know these people? I'm like, well, they live here. It's hard to miss them in such a small town, you know? So.
1: I had a lady one time I was kinda giving a tour here and she before she left she said, Have you ever shook Ben Johnson's hand? I said, Yeah. And she said, Which hand? I said, This one. And she rubbed my hand. (laughs) 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 Some things we take for granted, you know, or just people are just in awe of, you know. Yeah.
0: Well Liz, thank you for coming in today. Coming back here today. (laughs) coming in we're glad you came to work today so we could do this for sure yeah thank she's you been pretty busy me. traveling <laughs> the traveling the state Basically, start traveling country on the behalf of oklahoma <laughs> right right well you know we're so proud that you uh speak for our state in this 4-h right now but we know you're going to be speaking for us in a much larger stage one of these days and we're just proud to know you and, and we know you're going to do the right thing by everybody liz so.
2: Yeah, thank you. I hope so. I would do my best for oh, yeah. sure. <laughs>
0: Long standing family. I know they're all proud of her, proud of everything she does. And uh,
1: she has a great support system here. And that, Absolutely. it really takes that too. Yeah, she comes from a good family. I went to school, I was went to Catholic school with all the Spencer kids. Yes. So I, I knew every <laughs> one of them. Yep. <laughs> well, all right, everybody.
0: Until next week. This has been Cowboys of the Osage Podcast, and uh, make sure to share it, like it, all that fun stuff, and help us keep putting these things out. See everybody next week, right here from the Cowboys of the Osage Podcast. See y'all.